How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to the First in Tech podcast. I'm your host, Jalen Harrington. And I am managing editor Tristan Tucker, not interrupting you this week. <laughs> yeah, you did. You did great on that one, man. You killed it. I am extremely proud of you. Um, here we are on a Monday. On a great day. Yeah. You a could beautiful, call it that. beautiful, beautiful day where NC State has now lost a fourth defensive starter for the year. Isaiah Moore, the best player on this defense, a candidate for ACC Defensive Player of the Year, is out for the season with a knee injury he suffered during the Miami game. React. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, immediately when he went down, you felt the the tone shift. The game kind of felt like, you know, okay, Miami's scored a couple times. We're playing from behind, whatever. Wasn't super concerning um, until you saw how they had to shift the defense around. You, all of a sudden, you're playing Drake Thomas out of position. You're, you're flying him all over the field. And then you've got, you know, two unproven guys coming in. I mean, you already are wrecked by injury. So it, it sucks. Um, and Van Dyke took advantage of that. Um, I mean, like you said, he's a candidate for ACC Defensive Player of the Year, um, and there's a reason for that. Um, and, and you see that uh, tide shift, and you saw it pretty instantaneously. Yeah, no, I mean, it was um, it was about as bad as it could get for NC State. You know, um, football teams and football players, you know, they love the whole, we'll take the tribulations, we'll take all of the struggles, we'll take all of the, you know, all these setbacks, we're just going to push through them. At some point, though, the tone kind of changes, and the tone is starting to change now for NC State. This isn't cute anymore. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not at all. <laughs> it was it was cute when it was just Peyton Wilson out. It was just C.J. Clark. It was just Cyrus Fagan. Now it's we're getting into the can NC State have nice things territory. Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Depth chart looks hilarious, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you take – what was supposed to be one of the best linebacking cores in the ACC in the country, it's down its two best players now. It's looking very human now. You know, you mentioned that Drake's moving around. Um, Drake was playing middle linebacker in NC State's dime packages. He was moved to Will, actually. And I forget who they had playing middle. I guess they just had... Probably, was it Betty? They had Betty in, but he... No way they played him the entire game at, at middle, no, so I'm not exactly not. sure... Who else was rotating in there? Maybe Jalen Scott, because Jalen Scott can play all three positions. But you're looking now, and this is what Doran said earlier in his press conference, you're looking to play four guys at linebacker. So it's going to be, I assume, Drake at will, switching out De uh, Devin Betty and Jalen Scott at middle, and then having by Jones play Sam. Um, not great. Also, not the worst thing ever. Like, the the linebacking core isn't going to be that much of a liability. It's just not going to be a strength anymore. Yeah. And now you're looking around this defense, and this defense has no strength now. The D line, I mean, look, hit or miss. Uh, the secondary. Now, granted, they went up against the best wide receiver core they're going to go up against this year. Um, they've looked suspect at times the past few weeks. Boston College was good. We'll put that aside, but against La Tech. When Kendall was cooking, it was it was dangerous. It was dangerous. There was there was some smell of smoke because people were getting burnt in the secondary. Uh, yesterday, not yesterday, two days ago, there were zero PBUs made by anyone on the team, let alone just the secondary. 
None. Not a one. I mean, it was, it's, you know, NC State's identity was its defense, was its linebackers. Now that's gone. What do they do now? That's a good question. Um, and honestly, it's one that I don't have an answer for because I don't think that they have an answer for it. Um, like you said, I mean, and we were talking about it, the defensive line, just so up and down. I mean, Durden, who's been just fantastic this year, kind of kind of had a rough going um, last game. He had, what, like two penalties called on him um, near the end, I think. Yeah, one, um, one gave uh, one gave them a touchdown. Yeah, yeah. On, on a field goal, and, you know, people are saying, oh, the guy was moving the ball, whatever. Mm-hmm. The guy was setting the ball in position to be snapped. Yeah. Guys that are snapping field goals <clears throat> do not snap them with one hand. Absolutely not. He was just not. getting in position, first of all. Second of all, Doran said that they repped that in practice, and it was just a simple mental mistake there. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, this is where you kind of see why death matters even more. It's not just about talent. Because Corey Durden has talent. It's about the fact that people have bad games. People have bad days. And so in a normal year, in a normal season, okay, Corey's having a bad day. He does that one thing. You just play CJ more. You don't have that now. If Corey's not playing well, you just got to suck it up and take it because you've got no one really that you want to put into that position behind him. The depth is insanely young. Insanely young. And I, I like your point about having like all these guys, like the, the good depth and like the defensive line and the secondary in particular have good depth. I'm not so sold on the linebacking core's depth as much. I mean, it's not bad, obviously. Um, it could be a lot worse. But for the secondary and defensive line in particular, you maybe don't always have those like star players that are going to stand out and make all these insane plays. We talked about this last time. Uh, there is not a single player on the NC State defense that has more than two takeaways. Um, in fact, I think there's only one, and it's Drake Thomas. Um, and you look at the linebacking core by stark contrast, and you do have three star players. You have three players that are in very well defined roles to start the year. That's like the insane strength everyone's talking about. You got the leading tackler of the ACC. You've got Isaiah Moore and Drake Thomas, who's insanely good. They're all great players. Uh, I hate to imagine what would happen. Uh, God forbid if uh, Drake Thomas goes down, has to miss any amount of time. And I mean, the the strain that this like next stretch is going to have on him is going to be insane. Because I mean, he's, like you said, playing all over the field. He's playing in all these different positions. It's just not ideal. Um, so don't really have an answer for what the defense is going to do. Um, it's kind of like you're just taking one blow after another. I mean, it, this is what the fourth defensive starter now that's gone down for the entire season. It's absolutely insane it's it's not great you know when i was when i was writing my takeaways yesterday um and i started writing about isaiah moore the phrase oh captain my captain came to mind so i just made that as the header i have never read oh captain my captain before i went and i read it and i read it and i was like oh this is about lincoln being assassinated this is very dark i because at this point i'm thinking he's going to be out for a game or two and and i was thinking to myself Maybe a bit morose of a pick for me to guess. Dive. It wasn't. <laughs> I think I manifested. I don't know. I don't know what happened there. They're gonna but, come for you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's my fault. Put it on me. I mean, but in hindsight, a, a great pick because what do you do now? This is this is Lincoln level because not only does Isaiah Moore have a ton of talent, and that's you know we all know about that. He is the leader of this team. He wears the number one jersey. I mean, you saw the way that he stepped up after Peyton Wilson went out. 
He became the juice for this team. Somebody's got to do that now. And they're not going to be a person who's putting up the gaudy stats that he's doing. It's going to be a different level. I think maybe you look at a Tanner Ingle, even though he's in the secondary. um, And I think if I'm Tony Gibson, you probably start doing some wild stuff with him. Oh, I I agree. Sending him on exotic blitzes. I mean, getting him in different positions where maybe he can make a play and spark your team. I think at this point, you're not, from Gibson's perspective, you're maybe not just going to go, okay, we're going to line up our best on your best. We'll stop you. That's going to be it. I think at this point, you're thinking, okay, how you know crazy can we get? How can we wreak havoc, create turnovers? Because it's going to be a lot of bend, don't break now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that last point too, creating turnovers. It's going to be crucial yeah. because they didn't do it against Miami, against uh, Van Dyke, who had what? In his ACC games, he was like two and three, three interceptions. Uh, not ideal. Yeah. Not ideal at all. That boy was De'Ara King out there. Um, speaking of what the defense does, I think a lot of it is going to fall to the offense now. And we're in a point where the offense is going to have to score points now. And there's also bad news for the offense because left guard starter Chandler Zavala, the Fairmont State transfer, he's out for the year. Out for the year as well. So now NC State is down a total of five starters, only one on offense, but, you know, a hit to the trenches like this one um, is not easily overcome. You know, what do you see there? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's NC State's strength, um, supposedly, uh, is their offensive line. My take a little bit um, is that it's not, as, it's not as great of a strength as some might think. I mean, Icky obviously is amazing, but I think his individual greatness is what kind of carries this group from further criticism. I don't think it's necessarily a bad group or anything like that. I, I think quite the opposite. They don't allow very many sacks. The pressures aren't terrible, um, especially given the fact that Leary's not mobile. Um, it could be a lot worse. Um, and, I mean, he's been getting, like, clean looks. Um, so a lot of the inaccuracy issues are not on them. Um, but in this game in particular, I, I didn't like um, the way in which they failed to create lanes. The, the rushing struggled, um, and I didn't get to go back and, like, look at the tape in particular, but there was a lack of, like, big runs. You have the one from Pinnix, and you have, like, two uh, that were went 10-plus by Ricky Person. Outside of that, nothing. Um, so injury, obviously not ideal. Um, shifting over the O-line, um, again, also not ideal. Um, and that's an area where the depth kind of concerns me, um, especially when you start looking at, you know, the second, third stringers. If somebody else goes down with injury, again, God forbid. I mean, what is, I mean, we're kind of hanging on by a thread here. Yeah, I mean, this was an, this was an offensive line that really, truly went seven deep, if you want to call it that. You know, it was really a six-man offensive line with Tim McKay coming in for Spees. Um, Easton will play a little bit, but not that much. Now I think it's still just a six-man group. I don't know if there's someone that really steps up and sees time for the offensive line now. I think they're going to hunker down left to right. It's just going to be Aquanu. It's going to be McMahon. It's going to be Gibson, Eason, Spees, and McKay. Make it work. Um, that's going to turn out how it's going to turn out. Um, it, this is a passing attack now, in my opinion. 
And granted, Miami does have a very good defensive line. They've got talent. They've got a defensive-minded head coach in Manny Diaz. You know, maybe we can give them a mulligan for last week. But to the same extent, I don't think there's going to be any games where both Ricky and Zonovan go for over 100 yards rushing. I don't yeah, think that's not, the not idea for the rest of the anymore. season. Yeah. yeah, definitely not. Uh, so it's all on Devin now. Yeah. And it's on his receivers to not drop passes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have a lot of thoughts about that. Um, but yeah, I, I like your point about, you know, the, the running backs, they're not going to go for, like, they're not going to have their 200 yard total games. I mean, they'll, one of, one of them each week will, will have a great game. Um, I mean, that's just the sheer talent. What I don't understand, especially from a coaching perspective, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, but when we're watching this game, I'm sitting here like, okay, we're just running to the left, running to the left. Oh, negative four, negative three yards, negative four. Oh, we got two yards. Oh, we got one yard. I, I kind of went through, and I I was doing my offensive grades for the week, and I was looking through um, for the running backs, and you take away those like big runs I talked about, only three uh, on, the, on the entire game by anybody, uh, only two from your, your touted your big names. Um, they ran for 33 total yards, on 15 carries outside of those huge, huge gains, 2.2 yards per carry. The first three rushes of the game went for negative 11 yards. I don't understand. And we only ran the ball three times in the first three drives. I don't understand when you have a backfield this talented, why we didn't try and get them like invigorated and involved like way earlier. I don't know. It's uh, beyond me. Yeah. I would say, um, I'm thinking about Ricky and I'm thinking about Zonovan and I'm reminded of UNC last year where, you know, people this year are looking back and they're going, why isn't UNC the same this year? And people point out that stat of, oh, last year, Michael Carter and whatever the other guy's name was, they were wherever they were in the top 10 in the country and forced missed tackles. Ricky Person and Zonovan Knight are top five, both of them in the ACC, and forced missed tackles. There's a reason why they have to force so many missed tackles. Um, This line has struggled in the run game, and the only time it's found actual success was running to that left side behind Ikwonu with uh, Chandler Zavala with McMahon pulling. Now that that's gone, it's going to be tough sledding. It's going to be, I mean, in that Miami game, the running backs were fighting for their life to get four yards. Yeah. And that was a successful play. Four Mm -hmm. yards. Yeah. Fighting for their life. Depressing. And, you know, I don't think that's going to change. I think this is going to require creativity from Tim Beck. And you already start to see a shift where he's becoming pass first, which he's going to have to do. I, I, I don't disagree with that. But I think maybe try and get the running backs involved in the pass game more. Yeah, they had success with that, especially with Person. I mean, yeah. he's he's a great, great pass catcher. I mean, Zonovan is too. Honestly, he's underrated in that regard. I agree. Yeah, I think, you know, it, if the issue is, look, we can't run the ball, maybe don't run, which is a surprise given how good your two backs are. And I think that's why you saw Ricky Person get so many snaps in the Miami game is, first of all, he was running very hard. And when, you know, there's no space being made, it's a little better to have that big guy in there um, than to have Zonovan in. And also, Ricky's a monster in pass pro. 
Ricky's an every down back so long as he isn't getting banged up. When he's healthy, he can play every single down. So I think it's what can Ricky do now? Can he be involved in the pass game? Can he continue to do well in pass pro? And can the run game get going off of that? Because I think you're going to have more games like you did Miami where, yeah, they're only going to run the ball three times in the first three drives. Because if you run on first down, it's going to be a two-yard loss. Now it's second and 12. Your whole drive's derailed. It's just, it's a rough spot for this offense, for sure. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, going back before the season, just looking at the team's two biggest strengths, supposedly, well, definitely before the season, running and then your linebacker core. In both of those rooms, just myriad of issues. Yeah, I, so perplexing. Football is weird. <laughs> Football is weird. The this is why the game isn't played on paper. Nope. Because once you roll the balls out, man, it is. Yeah. It's different. Yeah. I also think, you know, we're gonna circle back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of the year. Somebody's gotta step up for the wide receivers. Yes. Someone has to step up, and I mean step up every single game. I love Thayer Thomas, but Thayer Thomas will flash for one game, disappear for many. And I'm not sure if that's just because in this offensive scheme, it takes a very, you know, specific look on the defensive side for him to have a lot of success. I don't know if that's because Leary just sometimes goes a game without looking his way, but someone has to be the guy that's going to be the one that makes plays. It looked like that was going to be Devin Carter until Saturday because Devin Carter had two straight games where he was making monster plays when NC State needed it and scoring touchdowns. Um, we're not seeing it now. There isn't one particular dude, and we talked about this last week, and last week it wasn't a problem. But now <laughs> now the situation has, has changed, and I'm sure this is how NC State's coaching staff feels is, look, we were in a good position, we're not now. So now we're coming to you again and going, hey, one of y'all needs to be the guy. And I, I, I fear that we're not going to see that happen this season. Uh, neither, none of them have, I don't think any of them have over 500 yards on the season. Maybe, maybe one of them. Um, I, I mean, I'll check it right now. Uh, it's kind of absurd. Yeah, no. Uh, leading receivers, Emeka Mezzi, 452. Thayer's got 383, and Carter's got 323. I'm surprised that Porter Rooks has 173. But you see all these guys with this like split like set of targets and receptions i i just don't get it it's so inconsistent wildly inconsistent and, and devin carter in particular frustrates me because he has talent you said he makes the big plays he does he looked amazing against boston college and then this game he has six targets and hauls in one for 13 yards you just can't have that kind of inconsistency and his yeah his drops were awful especially the one on third down i mean it can't get any worse than that. Yeah. And, um, and yeah. in Doran's press conference, he was he was trying to tiptoe around it, but there sometimes there aren't two ways around it. That catch, which should have been made, which was a routine play, would have put NC State in the field goal range. It's as simple as that. Um, and football is a fickle sport, especially with this fan base, where, you know, this is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately fan base. So I'm sure Devin Carter was hearing it. Um, from NC State fans. Um, but it could end up being a Chris Dunn situation where Chris Dunn had a horrible day against Clemson. I don't think he's missed a field goal since. Yeah. 
Trent Gill had a bad day, I think, as well against Clemson, has been lights out since. If Devin Carter, and I think he's the likeliest candidate right now, if Devin Carter can step up and be that guy for NC State, that would give NC State a shot to reach 8-9 wins because I think that's what you're looking at now. Yeah, he's a big play guy. I mean, there you look at their averages. Um, he's got he he averages 17 yards a catch, and he's got three touchdowns. Um, so yeah, I, I agree because I don't see Thayer continuing this. Um, he's he leads the league, uh, leads the team, not league, uh, and uh, in receiving touchdowns. Um, Amezi is somebody also too that I've been underwhelmed by. Um, he's been fine, like nothing like glaringly bad that he's done, but. He, there's all this talk about him being, you know, this number one guy. He, he took over Kelvin Harmon's number. He's supposed to commandeer the offense, and I haven't really seen that. Um, he's got one touchdown on the year, and that's something that just can't fly. Like, one guy has to step up. And I, I do agree. I think it could be Devin Carter, but the drops are bad. I mean, the, it's bad. It is really bad. He's a big play guy. 17 yards per catch is good. That's great. But he's also only got 19 receptions on the year. Like compare that to Thayer and Amezi, who have over 34 each. But that's, I mean, it's just crazy to me. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't know how you diagnose this offense if you're Beck. I don't know because you're at this point. Offensively, I kind of look at it and I feel like. From his perspective, he's going to have to try and force something that is not there. You come into this year and you're going, hey, we've got a good O-line. We like Ikwonu and Zavala. We don't have a great right side of our line, but no matter. We'll run to the left. We'll do what we can. We'll have Devin Leary be a game manager and our defense will save us. That is not the case anymore. And I hope I hope the defense proves me wrong because that might be the best path to success is Devin Betty playing like his hair is on fire and the secondary going crazy and Daniel Joseph becoming a sack machine because I don't see this offense becoming an offense that can outscore you. That's what NC State needed on Saturday against Miami. A couple thoughts um, that could be like interesting and I, I would like to see explored a little bit more uh, on the offensive side. Um, we already talked a little bit about getting the backs more involved in the passing game. I'd like to see that uh, a lot more. Um, I, I think... Uh, person and Knight both have like tremendous speed after the catch, especially Person. Uh, I think they have some of the bursts that maybe some of these receivers lack. Um, a lot of times, it kind of feels like um, you've you've got these guys, um, and I, this is purely off of eye test off the last two games. But um, not very often, I feel like Amezi, Thayer, and Carter get many yards after the catch. I feel like a lot of times it's like okay, they've been tackled immediately. Um, I think you could avoid that more by getting the backs involved. I also want to see more deep shots. Um, I think that would unlock the offense. I mean, I know Leary is not the best deep ball thrower. He's he's pretty inaccurate at times. Uh, he'll overthrow Anthony Smith a lot. But Anthony Smith, I like him a lot, and he's got insane speed. And that's just something that this offense, uh, the receivers in particular, lack is just, like, burst. And that's something I'd like to see a little bit more, especially um, considering Smith has like four catches for 100 yards and a touchdown. I mean, there's just more to be explored there. Um, and it's not because NC State has a lack of weapons. Um, it's just these big guys, these big old guys, just 
get tackled immediately. And I, I just I don't really see any receiver really stepping up the rest of the year. I could be wrong, and I hope I am wrong. But that's that's where I'm at right now. Yeah, no, I, I like Anthony Smith, and he had a big catch um, yeah. against Miami, I believe. Yeah. And again, it was, you know, only one, but for 44 yards. Yeah. They targeted him on another, um, and I don't think it was the best thrown ball. No, it was it was an overthrow. Yeah, I so, I mean, Anthony Smith's a guy you look at, you want him to become someone that can consistently be a deep ball threat. Keon Lassane, who backs up a Mezzi, that's a guy who you like him with the ball in his hand. That was his whole thing is he's – He's a little speedy, not the fastest guy on the team, but he's agile. He's shifty. Um, you know, Porter Rooks, another guy who needs more looks, I think. I think you know, you're asking a lot of Joker Phillips to, you know, sift between eight, nine different guys and get people, you know, the right people into the game, but you really gotta see who's about it. Who's gonna put up? I mean, it's not about, you know, you know, who is maybe the most technically sound. It's not about who's doing the best in practice. It's about who's giving the offense the best chance to be explosive maybe at this point Yeah, than what they would normally expect. I think out of the three starters, Mezzi, Thomas, and Carter, I don't think any one of them really is the guy. I think they have what it takes to be the guy, but I'm not sure that we'll see it this year. I'm, I'm just not convinced, unless Carter can fix the drops. But, I mean, as of right now, that seems like an impossible task. <laughs> Let's get into Miami. Um, got the stats up in front of me. Let me tell you, it's a sad story for NC State. It is because so many of the major st- uh, statistical categories are similar. They're about the exact same. These two teams played each other to a dead heat, which is surprising because of all the mistakes that NC State made in this game. You, you know, total yards, one off. Penalties, NC State had six, Miami had nine. First downs, even. Third downs, NC State's a little worse. Um, Yards per play, both were around six. Red zone, both were 100%. Time of possession is only three minutes difference, nearly 50-50. NC State was making more plays in Miami's backfield, but no turnovers for each one. I mean, and then you look at Devin Leary, his completion percentage down to 57% in this one. Like you mentioned, neither of the running backs had an insane day, even though Ricky was at six yards a carry. Thayer Thomas led the team, seven receptions, only 71 yards, two touchdowns, three yards after the catch. NC State had a total, and Miami's stats could be off here um, because they are off for drops. Miami's stats are telling me that NC State had three yards after the catch. Yeah, it's bad. I mean, like I said, it, it feels like you watch these receivers, they haul in a pass and just immediately get tackled or go right out of bounds. Um, I'm an Eagles fan, so it pains me to say this, but for a while, that's exactly how it felt with like watching Zach Ertz. You have this talented big guy that catches the ball in the middle of the field, immediately felt like he would fall down every time. That's exactly what I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm experiencing deja vu. Another point uh, I'd like to bring up statistically, um, as you said on third down was... Horrible. Correct. Three for 14, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not good. Terrible. You just, <laughs> you're not going to win a game like that. You, you can't. It's impossible to win a game like that. 
it's just the lack of creativity. I don't know if it was, I don't know what it was. I don't know what the reasoning for it is. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. Um, NC State's average third down distance was 8.6 yards. And that's a, that's a symptom of a couple of things. Like I said, Devin Leary's uh, completion percentage was down. First down, you throw the ball, it's incomplete. Now it's second and 10. What do you do? Try a run? Try a run, get stuffed? Yep. Go <laughs> try for three run, yards. Get, try a run, get two yards? Yeah. Now it's third and nine. Now it's third and eight. I mean, you know, it, it's NC State to start this year was majoring in complimentary football. The defense yeah. was playing amazingly. The D-line was doing enough. The linebackers were making plays. The secondary was getting enough help up front that it could work. Offensive side. Devin's doing just enough to keep the rushing game in play. You saw that nearly completely break down on Saturday on both sides of the football. And you still almost won. Miami's bad. Miami is bad. And that's what and that's what makes this entire thing sting so much more. I mean, we were talking last week. I was talking after I went to see Miami play at Keenan. I was like, we're going to lose to one of these two teams, and it's going to be embarrassing because those teams suck. And, I mean, hopefully we don't lose to UNC too. Um who knows at this point? I, I thought I, I thought Miami was the one game that I felt maybe too comfortable about. Now that that feeling's completely gone. It, it's just it's sad. All right. I wanna throw water on this Miami game. It is killing my vibe. Yeah. So <laughs> let's turn to Louisville. NC State returns home, which is welcome, uh, to another night game, which is maybe less welcome. But you're taking on a Louisville team who just beat Boston College, um, who is vulnerable, but is has shown itself to be a solid team that can compete with anyone in the ACC. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this upcoming matchup? I mean, like I said, I'm not taking any matchups for granted from here on out. Louisville is a game that I looked at that we should like easily win originally. Now I'm not so convinced. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you my hot take for the game. Um, I know we have differing opinions on Malik Cunningham, but without Isaiah Moore, I could easily see him totaling 450 yards, passing or rushing combined, 450 yards and four touchdowns. And that sounds crazy, but it's really not that far off base for some of the things he's done this season. Um, He's going to run the ball. He's coming off a hot game, his best game of the season, rushing at 133 yards rushing against Boston College, had three touchdowns on the ground. He had two interceptions, um, but that brings the season total up to four interceptions. It's not like he's the like worst passer on the planet. Uh, I could easily see him getting 450 yards, 400 maybe, played a little safer, 400. I mean, we just saw Van Dyke go for 400 and four touchdowns and no turnovers. I could easily see that repeating uh, against a better quarterback a far more mobile quarterback. Um, we were joking during the game, calling him Van Wheels, but I mean, like, he, he literally, he torched us. Um, it's sad because he hadn't done that against any other team in in any of his games. Um, so without Isaiah Moore, I mean, you've got this tackling machine going down, run stopper going down. He's great at analyzing runs. I don't know who's going to step up into that role. There's not a person, really, to me, that is as good of a run reader as he is. Um, so, yeah, that's my that's my prediction. I, I think that um, 
this could end up very well being a shootout kind of game. And it's an it's a game where I think the offense is really going to need to prove itself because barring Furman and South Florida and I guess Louisiana Tech to some extent, this team is not like a crazy scoring team. I I was saying last week how I'm not I'm not a believer in Wake Forest and they've had an easy schedule and they absolutely have and their game against Army doesn't indicate anything other than that to me. I don't think NC State gets 70 points on Army. I don't think in fair, hold on, don't do that. I don't think NC State lets up 56 points to Army. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. Absolutely not. But I don't think that the offense is as like potent as that I oh, don't oh no no not nearly no so if it turns into a shootout kind of game if the defense does struggle if the defense does slip I mean and it probably will because Isaiah Moore is down he's so important to this team I uh, I mean I could easily see it being like a, a a thirty high thirties game from both sides and I think it'll be closer than what I originally anticipated I I hate to say it but I'm just I'm nervous and that's how I'm going to be the rest of the season. Uh, I'm going to see your hot take. I'm going to raise you another one. First of all, I'm going to say I think I think they win this game. I think this is one of the few games that is kind of set up still for NC State to be competitive. Um, because digging into their stats, I think they suffer from, you know, an even worse version of what we're kind of seeing from NC State. There's no huge receiver for Louisville. Their top receiver is Marshawn Ford, the tight end. Um, that could pose some issues. Maybe not, though. Um, but that tells me, along with the fact that Malik Cunningham averages over eight yards per attempt, that tells me that they do a lot off of play action. They do a lot off of the run, and I think that the run is still you know, what NC State wants to see from a team. NC State wants to go up against teams that want to run first. Any pass-first team is licking its chops right now because there's a lack of pass rush, can't cover in the secondary, yada, yada, yada. On the run side, though, Gibson's got to be happy that this is what he's got his defense going up against. I think that Cunningham is held under 200 total yards. Under 200 total yards. Right. I think that maybe Cooley breaks one or two big ones, but I think and I think this is the only way for them to win. They've got to be dialed into Cunningham, both in terms of play action and in terms of the quarterback run. You know, you cannot let this guy beat you, especially after what you just let Van Dyke do to you. You know, this is a com- this is a completely different thing because I think even though Cunningham might be good, I've never been sold on coming uh, on Cunningham. I think that Van Dyke might be a better passer than Cunningham right now. Oh, he's a better passer. But... Yeah. So so I think this is another situation where NC State's going to do what it did to start the year, which is we're going to stop the run, we're going to blitz you, show me that you can pass the ball, show me that you can hit guys, and so you know. It's up to Cunningham to have those big plays, but this don't look like a big play receiving core to me. Your top receiver has 313 yards. Now, there's one player that looks like he may be a receiving threat for, uh, for Louisville. He's averaging 34 yards a catch. He has eight catches on the year, though. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't, I don't think that Louisville has a guy that you look at immediately and say, he's going to make you pay the way a Rambo did it for uh, Miami the way that a Michael Harley can do for Miami. I don't think that's the case now. So I think you come out, you play the run, you see if he can beat you. And I don't think he can. Yeah, I don't think, I think we do win. Uh, but I do think it'll be 
kind of high scoring. Um, and it'll it'll somewhat depend on the energy that Carter Finley brings. I think it'll be, I think it might be kind of codependent on that. I I I don't normally think that environments are so important, but the seams coming down, kind of downtrodden, hasn't been home in like a month. Uh, it's been forever. I mean, what last last game was like October second or something like that. Something insane uh, at Carter Finley. I mean. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't disagree with you. Um, I think it's very much a coin flip game, and of course we're gonna say that, and then he's gonna have some like three hundred yard, like two touchdown, two interception performance, <laughs> or it's like just middle of the road. Yeah. But um, I mean, I could very well see the other thing happening where they they really step up to the occasion. They they are embarrassed, uh, and I would be um, after the comments that Van Dyke made, and they're like, okay, we're not gonna let another another quarterback uh, tear us up, but. Yeah, I don't know. I I'm I might be overvaluing um, Isaiah Moore's uh, presence in the run game, but I just I could easily see him getting up to 100 rushing yards again. No, I, I don't think you're overvaluing him. I just think sometimes you play out of your mind. This is a good game for that to happen. Um, I I said it in my takeaways. This is a must win. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. If you lose this, um, oh boy. Your yeah, your team might be in free fall, and it becomes a question whether or not you get to bowl eligibility. So, win this one, and you know you're still competitive. No real aspirations, but you're still competitive. You lose this one, and it's uh, the fire Dave crowd is gonna have all the ammunition it needs. The oh, this is the same old, same old crowd's gonna have all the ammunition it needs, and that's so sad because. Anyone who's legitimately watched this team, anyone who legitimately has seen this team, knows just how much potential this team had, knows just how good this team proved itself to be. Yeah. So, you know, if, and just if, I don't want to speak this into existence, but if NC State loses this game, this has to be the saddest season of Doran's tenure just because of the what if. Because you know, you know, Get those five starters back, and it's a completely different story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, I mean, you said it perfectly. It is a must-win. Uh, I, I honestly I kind of feel that way about every game the rest of the season. Like, Really? I, I think. You like, want, you you said 10-2 preseason, didn't you? You want that 10-2? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually was lower on the team, I think, than most of you. Um I was also really high on Clemson, so I mean that just goes to show how good my word is and my predictions are. But um, no, yeah, I mean I do think every game from here on out really feels like a must-win. I mean Wake, you could I guess stand to lose, but like not really in my opinion. Like that that game is if you lose it now. Your your excuses are built in now. Yeah, is what I would say. Yeah, I agree. But like Florida State, you lose to them. What the hell are you doing at that point? And I mean, who else? Syracuse? Syracuse? If you lose to Syracuse, if you lose to UNC, UNC who is terrible, Syracuse who is not good either, I, it would just be so crushing. But those are competitive games. Now. Every single game, I think, from here on out is going to be competitive. I don't think there's one where we're going to – we should. We should absolutely run away with this game. We should absolutely run away with the rest of the games except for Wake Forest. Um, we won't. I think it will be close games from here on out. Yeah. Sorry we couldn't be happier today, folks. It's just it's <laughs> yeah. a sad day. Saturday uh, was uh, depressing. I hope all of y'all um, drank your beverage of choice after that, or like 14 of them. 
um, and got that nasty yeah. taste out of your mouth because it was not a great game. Um, very quickly, to close this thing out, because we are at over 40 minutes, um, let's just throw out some bold predictions, some score predictions. You already said your Cunningham thing. you have anything else for Score prediction, like I said, um, I think will be in the upper 30s. I could see one team getting 40. I think it should be something like um, like 42, 30-ish range, 28, 42-28, something like that. Should We should win. And, and I, I want to see a lot of points. I want to see over 40 points. That's what I – that would make me feel reassured. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that Devon Betty leads the team in tackles. That's, that's going to be my hot take. Um, if he's ready, we're going to see right here. So that's why that's going to be my hot take. Um, Score-wise, I think that NC State's hoping this is a nasty game. So I'm going to go 24-17. I think it's a tight one, and if you win, you're going to barely win this thing. I think you're going to be right. but I <laughs> Well, I'm, if they lose, you're going to be right. It's going to be in the 30s because, yeah. oh, boy, there's a good chance this defense can't stop a nosebleed now. Yeah. I don't know. I'm scared. Hang on tight. Look at the fickle nature of college football. Last week we were talking about respect. Nope. (laughs) I can't can't see it, but I'm shaking my head. Yeah, I mean, how quickly things change. So, look, bookmark this, listen to it. Um, You know, if Devin Carter comes back and has a 13-catch, 115-yard, two-touchdown game, add us, please. Yes, please. We'd love to see it. Um, if the secondary has three picks, love to see it. Should have done that last week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was the take last week. That turned out well. Yeah, that was great. Oh man, but yeah, uh, not they, only did one of us take take that pick, we both did. We so, did. Yeah. We did. It was. It felt good when we said <laughs> it. it. Yeah, it really did. Goes to show you how bold our predictions are. They're very bold. They're so bold they don't happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> like I said, Malik Cunningham incoming three hundred yard, two touchdown, two interception game. It's, it's coming. Exactly. <laughs> All right, though. Thanks for joining us, guys. I have been your host, Jalen Harrington. And I have been managing editor Tristan Tucker. Uh, we'll see y'all next week.